Hi, this is Eliza Renner, and you are listening to the New Manifest Theater Podcast. That was good. Welcome to the New Manifest Theater Podcast. My name is Eva McQuaid. I am an ensemble member of the New Manifest Theater Company and your host for this very podcast, which Eliza super awesomely introduced as well. And as you heard, I am speaking with that very person, Eliza Renner. Hello. Hi. Good to see you, Eva. (laughs) Good to see you. You're just, what a joy, what a treat, what a dream come true to talk to you today. I'm so happy to get to speak with you. Um, For those people who may not know you, which you should know this person, this being of creativity, um, will you please introduce yourself for us and like give us like a brief life synopsis? Wow. Okay. Yes. Okay, so I'm Eliza Renner. I am a theater artist, primarily an actress, but also a director and a writer and a dancer and a costumer. And I have been living in Texas since 2018. And I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia and the coast of Georgia. And, you know, well, what else do you want to know? I've been... I have been, so I moved to Texas to work in theater. I moved here to apprentice with the Rude Max, a theater company. And I definitely made my life here in Austin, uh, getting down and dirty with the theater scene here. I love this theater community. Yeah? Uh, Yes. And this is what I was looking for, like scrappy, real, uh, with all people involved, like at every scale um of production you know small things to large fantastic fully produced things and then COVID came and uh you know and then I stopped being a theater artist for a while which was weird like I did stuff on zoom and I really had a lot of joy in that actually connecting with people from all places on zoom Mm -hmm. being able to meet virtually and read plays and play together and do all sorts of things so for a while it was thrilling but then it wasn't it, anymore. Yeah. And Zoom shows stopped being inspiring. And I, yeah. took, I took a job in teaching. So I was working with teenagers oh. in North Carolina. And then otherwise, I did a whole lot of nothing. And now I'm sort of stepping back into the theater world. And it's feeling good. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of things are feeling good and confusing and also just some of it almost wrong like and also just a lot of I feel like one of the words I keep going to in my mind during these times post-apocalypse yet still in apocalypse is trepidation like 
Because mm-hmm. what if it all falls out from under us again? Oh boy. You know, I, yeah, I think we're adapting to a new, a new like crisis awareness. And right. some parts of that are good. Some things we need to be more vigilant of and like ready for. And we yeah. collectively need to think, okay, like, what are we going to do when this happens? What are we going to do when this happens? And yeah, but overall, I feel a little too vigilant and I want to. Yeah. yeah, you gotta, well, but also it's, it's such a, it's such a hard a line to toe, right? Like you want to be vigilant, but also you don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole of mm-hmm. being way too focused, hyper-focused on that. Mm-hmm. aspect of it and you don't want to forget to like be creative and live your life but what a what a time to boy oh boy boy what a time <laughs> so you're from Georgia mm-hmm. and you did theater there and art there yeah I grew up I starting in the third grade I got involved with a local theater called push push theater which is still happening yeah in Atlanta and we did the Physician in Spite of Himself by Moliere and Red Peppers by Noel Coward. Holy moly. Ocious plays for little kids. And then shout out to my Inman Middle School Drama Club, to Henry Grady High School, now known as Midtown High in Atlanta, and like my public school theater programs that really raised me and taught me so much. Mm -hmm. And then I went away to college in Vermont and I got to study theater and uh, I got to study theater with some amazing professors and I got to wear every hat, um, in that program. And so I was never just an actor, but that has always come like naturally for me. I got to try everything and, you know, be involved in total theater. And, um, yeah, yeah. So I have been doing this a long time and something I think about is that Okay, so I am slash I want to be a working theater actor. Mm-hmm. Also, if it all goes to shit or I other priorities come about or my life takes me in a different direction, I'll do those other things and I'll always be a theater artist under that. Yeah. Um, you know, like our work is ancient and there will always be a place for it in the future. Agree. So, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get rid of it. I know it's, it's, it has been such a challenging time for, I think, artists in general, but also, but specifically as an actor and as a theater maker, you know, you want that immediate uh, response from an audience. Oh my gosh. And it's so challenging, but it's, I think um, we just need to think about what theater is or what art is and acting is and not try to put it in these boxes we've created for them over so many years. Yes, absolutely. In the pandemic, in this time of stop, wait a minute, think about what we've been doing and think, is this what we want to keep doing or no? Like there's a lot about theater I want to change. There's a lot of systems of hierarchy that I can let go of in theater culture. Oh, let's talk about it. I mean, yeah, here we are. Eva, we're both ensemble members of like this young theater company in Austin. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's like a, that's a sort of non-hierarchical structure right there. And I love being a member of New Manifest. Like it's life-giving to me to feel like I'm a part of something. Yeah. Not everything. I'm not the most important thing, but- 
I'm a part of a constellation that's making work. Oh, I love that analogy. That's beautiful. It's so true. And I think it's so important. Like I, um, I often, I, I really, I'm glad for, to be able to help new manifest theater company in this capacity as a, as a host of the podcast. Um, because I feel like often I just, I don't give myself enough time to try to do other things like other than just being an actor on stage. Right. Um, Knock and, out comedian and a sought after actress. Well, but I, <laughs> I have enjoyed working with, with New Manifest because I've been able to read scripts. I've been able to direct, which is something I did not think I would do ever. And, uh, and now I'm doing this. And so, yeah, I think it's important, right? You want to create a well-rounded person in yourself. So it's good to put your hands in everything. So um what do you think New Manifest is doing well, which maybe other companies, not just necessarily here in Austin, but everywhere can learn from? Yeah. I think something that New Manifest does well is just gets people working. I hate the like fantasy Cinderella narrative in this that it feels like that I have to hold on to, to be an actress where I'm just waiting for my big break. Like I'm waiting for someone's permission mm. to get to tell stories and create worlds and inhabit characters. And something I like about New Manifest is that if you wanna be in the room, you can. Like uh, if you're ready to go, like, and you're like, yeah, I have energy to read play submissions, then we want your eyes on them. If you want to, there are like, everyone I've met through new, new manifest is, you know, has had a life in a, in the arts and are mostly like early career artists, but our early career, like I want it to be rich. I want to like, I want to be doing everything. I want to be working all the time and I'm setting myself up for failure. If I'm like waiting for a big break because another pandemic's gonna come and the oceans are gonna keep rising. And, oh boy. You know, and <laughs> like life is, who knows what's gonna happen. Yeah. Like, I wanna play now and I wanna make stuff now. Yeah. So I really love how New Manifest has this network of like young and enthusiastic artists. Yeah. Yeah. Like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wait, you know, so, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm just saying, um, so, you know, I'm sure we'll transition to talking about the mini fest and the, um, the play I'm directing freshwater grasses, yeah. but I'm just thinking about like the obvious metaphor of, uh, like we are an ecosystem at new manifest. We all do different things. We all fill different niches. Mm -hmm. Some migrate away and come back, but we're an ecosystem that is involved a part of a much larger one. And like the health and fecundity that we create on our scale, like in our small theater company is what extends outward. The culture that we create can become the culture of theater. And that's what was so great about working on the show, Good Friday, directed by Simone Alexander, <laughs> written by Christiana Ray Colon, with you right before in, in March of 2020. Yeah. 
what was so great about that is that um, we had such agency in that rehearsal process to create the culture that we had. Yeah. And that was like a culture of safety, belonging, yeah. uh, willingness to be challenged and to go deep with things. And man, that feels good to be yeah. not sacrificing values to do this craft, which right. I've for. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking um, on this very podcast with um, one of our, one of our other writers, um, one of the, one of the playwrights and who's going to be featured for the men during the mini fest. And we were talking about the, that very thing that I was, you know, there are companies I've worked with, not just here in Austin, uh, of course, but who value safety, obviously, of the actors and care of the actors and all of the people who are involved um, in the production of a show. But man, it was very obvious during our work on Good Friday. And I, I agree with you 100%. And I have really, too, something I have appreciated about working with New Manifest. Yeah. Word. So do you think, well, you touched on it a little bit. So what do you think is, is maybe one of the most important maybe issues facing the specific theater community um, to its, all of its reaches mm -hmm. right now? Yeah. Hmm. Man, you, uh, you and Ezekiel talked about this on the podcast, and I was really struck by this section of it when, you know, Ezekiel mentioned the possibilities that have been opened up now that we have this virtual yeah. modality mm -hmm. to play with. Um, that expands our globally collaborative opportunities. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm always like, I'm sort of obsessively hyper, like local in my focus sometimes. Like I, yeah. I'm really concerned with what's immediately right around me, like what landscape I'm in, what, where I am exactly. But it felt, I think something worth holding on to is that through the internet, we are just, we can meet in a Zoom room and then we really are together. Like I'm really with my friend in New Delhi and we can feel that like liveness and closeness that is the juice of theater from that far away. And so that's something I wanna keep, I wanna see more blending of in-person and virtual. Yeah. Is that also, uh, you know, I, I love, you talked about access to theater and yeah. we have access. There's just more sharing that's made possible when we can share it in this way. A, uh, I love art to be like sacred and in the moment and special and only exists right here. But I also love for it to be like cheap and massively produced and send it out. <laughs> Everybody put your eyes on this zine, this pamphlet, this theater, like, uh, so I think that's worth holding on to. 
I think your question though was about what what needs to change. What's what was your question? I, what what do you think is one of is some issue that's facing theater right now? I think accessibility definitely is one of them. I super agree with that one, and I think that this we've learned some aspects on how we can begin to think more deeply about it and not necessarily solving the problem because that will take a shit ton of work, but definitely getting to a place where we can have more accessibility for people. Yes. Just more of a joy. Yeah. A joyous reason to be together. Experience yeah. a lot more. But okay. This might be a hot take. I think though that we do. I want it. I want your hot take. Yeah. Something kind of plaguing the future of theater right now. Yeah. Is that I think there's, man, I don't even know how to say this. There, we need to like win people back. I think mm. people like hate the theater and I don't even blame them because they have these, <laughs> because the plays they've seen maybe have like inspired like death in them. Like, Oh God. Or they like, think of the theater as like going and having to sit in the dark yeah cringe watching people maybe like oh boy yeah poorly or have the unknown of surprise of liveness but there's there we've we've lost like some of the elements of theater and live performance just being built into the fabric of our lives so that like we are accustomed to going to the theater. Like we are accustomed to going and surrendering our disbelief for a while or like letting ourselves be transported or maybe being very visible and like uh, aware of your presence in a room while something is happening. We need to, we're missing, yeah, it's time. We need to, as we move away from profit models in theater, I think we will get more people back to feeling that essential lifebeat of it. Oh boy, that is also part of the accessibility of it, right? I mean, we we ask people to give, well, not we, but some theater companies ask people to give a crap ton of money to be able to go and participate in this experience, which, I mean, what, yeah, I, which, why do those people get to do that and not everybody who wants to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in the in the the dominant model of making theater in this country, so much of the money to make it is coming from like people who are wealthy donating money. So okay. yeah. our interests of what theater we make serve our donors, even if and that's not that I think it's great to be a patron of the arts and there's not of course. Not everything is wrong with the system of, you know, being a nonprofit theater company and having a board, but that also, I don't want to be a nonprofit. I don't know. <laughs> it seems like a business model that's not serving us. And yeah, I don't know. No, I, it's challenging. I think you want to, I mean, you don't want to um, dissuade anybody from giving to you especially those folks who have enough money to go around to give to multiple companies even, but you don't want to forget your primary goal of including everyone, including, including those people who may not 
be able to give as many zeros on their checks uh, as others. You don't want to forget about them. They're very important to this, to what you're building as, in a theater company. But it's hard to sometimes think about including all of those different types of folks because yeah. you don't want to play to one group over the other. But yeah, yeah it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's good times. Good times. Good times. Um, something else you mentioned right now, which was the like people's idea or concept of what theater is. And mm-hmm. often it's really, is very high, you know, um, it's untouchable. It's something that you, that you can't participate in fully unless you're, I don't know, a certain type of person. And I was talking with India, one of our board members um, mm. about that very thing. And I, I love what she said. She really wants to make, again, accessible people who like, if there's, if there's a, you know, if I ever went to the theater as a kid, I had to get dressed up, mm. you know, there was a lot of parameters you had to be in to be able to attend the theater. Mm-hmm. And so she wants to do away with that. And I agree. I mean, I don't, I, again, you want to reach out to everyone who deserves to have this piece of art in their life and witness it and be a part of it. And that's everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I think of like, transformative moments in my life many Mm -hmm. of those moments have been brought on through theater you're seeing live art and being so moved by something or having my world rocked you know it's like to be transported like that is to you know to yeah have like a psychedelic experience you know I didn't know it could be like that. What is it? This brings up this feeling in me. And and from a young age, I can think, yeah, I can think of these experiences. And I think that is, yeah, I want that for everybody. Yeah. I know. I remember in elementary school, I, and I have searched, I have no idea what it could have been. It must've been a local group, but there was a group that came in and did a play about um, supernovas Mm. and stars and comets and it w- sparked something in me that has that has never left i still love outer space i mm-hmm. i mean it's the great love of my life really oh my god yeah. and because of that that play i have no idea who it was i have no idea who it was i have no idea what it was but it was amazing and i remember that and they it, and, you know, thinking about it now, after working in, in various, various shows and um, production and production quality, I understand the tech that goes into something like that. And it was probably pretty minimal tech, you know, but it was still very, very transformative for me as a kiddo. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's take a very quick break for um, some update. Probably, I will guess it's about our mini fest, 
And then we'll come back and talk to Eliza some more. Join us for the third annual Manifest Manifest Short Play Festival, streaming October 13th through the 19th. And remember to subscribe to the new Manifest Theater podcast to hear interviews from this year's playwrights. Rapunzel, presented by The Vortex and Brown Boy Productions. Rapunzel, a story of black boy joy and a journey of hair and self-care by Jeremy Rashad Brown, directed by India Wilmot. October 9th through the 31st, Saturdays and Sundays at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. on the Vortex's Garden Stage. For more information and tickets, visit vortexrep.org. Okay, we're back to talk some more with Eliza. So, um, Eliza, tell me, tell us, not just me, um, what you're doing for the third annual Minifest, which is taking place October 13th through the 16th, FYI. Yes, I am directing a play. I'm directing the play Freshwater Grass by Ezekiel Gonzalez Camaño. Mm-hmm. And man, I am pretty excited about this play. Yeah. Yes, it is intimidating and beautiful and very exciting. Something just the play I'm hungry for in this world. We were talking about like our theater ecosystem and this play. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So I, I've I've learned a whole lot. What drew me to it first. Um, without even reading the whole play yet, was um, was the way it begins in a river. You and Ezekiel uh-huh. talked about water a lot. On oh, your yeah, so much. Yeah. And this play began so strongly as we uh, were brought into this world of bubbling and whooshing and currents and eddies and flowing. And we meet Electra, a woman who's a gardener um, at this river. And it begins so serenely and so poetically. And I have been, this is like the river, this is, hmm, this river in this show, which is the Rio de la Plata, where the, um, I think it's the Rio Parana and the Rio Uruguay meet mm-hmm. Uruguay and Argentina and getting to know this river and being introduced to it through this play is feeding a part of me that I'm so happy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my friend, you don't have to even tell me. Well, no, I want you to though. Um, but you- <laughs> Yeah, the water thing. I know I got off on a huge, well, one, yeah, I was I was gushing, which I haven't gotten to that point really with you yet, but I will um, because I think you're wonderful. Um, and I said so in the beginning and I will continue to say <laughs> it all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I read Ezekiel's play and I loved it for that reason as well. And I also loved it because this character of, this unknown character, mm-hmm. which is like stage directions. And, and he talked about that too, but it's this like, it's this visitor. And I, I just completely unknown, who knows a stranger, you know? 
And I just thought, man, that's amazing because so many times, and I told him this too, there are some stage directions that just sound like they should be its own thing, character, whatever. I mean, read out loud. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. In this, the stage, it almost feels like even the voice we're getting in the play is Electra speaking, but because the stage directions are this character, this visitor, this interloper, it feels almost like a second person story. Yeah. To the house, you turn left. And, and Ezekiel says in the beginning uh, of his stage notes, I'm going to read this. We are complicit, audience and playwright. To watch is to be involved, to be guided, to be spirits in the current. And if we are involved, what is our responsibility? And that's a, such a thrilling question for the beginning of a play because we are there. That is the nature of theater. We are in the room with you. We are complicit. We are creating experience. And beyond that, like the I, this play is exploring ideas of responsibility. What are our responsibilities to the wrongs of the past? What are our responsibilities and our commitments to the future of the land we're on, to mm-hmm. what we've wronged, to the grasses under us. So the invitation that as watchers, as directors, as playwrights, as performers, as whoever will be holding the camera the first week of October when we filmed it, when we film this, yeah. we are complicit in this. We're a part of that. And it's an exciting call. What made you go ahead? Well, I was just gonna this play, and so yeah, I guess I want to I want to talk about I want to talk a little bit about like the political context of this play, and maybe give a little primer for some of the history it's going to touch on. Yeah, these things really delicately and. While I don't want to reveal too much, I want to talk a little bit about the, yeah, what what informs this play. But before that, okay, another thing came to mind because we were talking about rivers and love of water and how this river plays what I've been waiting for. I'm um, just like I've I've had so many great teachers in my life, and I'm sure you have too, that have like made us who we are. I've mm-hmm. had these rivers that aren't the Rio de la Plata that have made me who I am. You know, I've been, I grew up in the Chattahoochee watershed in Georgia. And Georgia is a state that is full of rivers. Uh, a long, long time ago, we were underwater and the ocean came right up to the Blue Ridge Mountains and into the Piedmont. The Piedmont region was where, where Atlanta is, is where land became sea. And so we have incredible river systems. And uh, I grew up in the Chattahoochee watershed. I also spent a lot of my time on the, the broad river of Northeast Georgia and learned from that river. Got to know the like, and continue to get to know the coastal marshes and the rivers that feed right into the sea in Georgia. Um, and yeah, so, and here, okay, here we are in Austin. We 
don't even, oh my gosh. So here we've got the Colorado River that flows mm -hmm. through our city. And we don't even call it that. We call it Lady Bird Lake, which I find yeah. strange. I guess it's a lake because it's dammed. And, you know, we, we have all these interruptions on rivers. I but just this had this conversation with someone the other day. Literally just had this conversation with somebody. This very conversation with somebody yeah. the other day. Yeah. It's disconnecting. It's like that is the mighty Colorado River that is coming up and making its way all the way down to us and will eventually like empty out far beyond us. But so, and more specifically, like uh, in the neighborhood I am in Austin, I'm in the Waller Creek watershed right now. Mm -hmm. So systems which are just behind everybody's residential houses and moving through UT and underground and mixing with our wastewater systems. These creeks are the veins of our universe. Mm -hmm. And so to, to get to, that's just something I'm thinking about. Yeah. About, yeah. What drew me to this play. Yeah. It's like life. It's the, it's the life that you don't ever think about. It's just there or you take it for granted. A lot of times it's just there. Um, it is very much like the veins in our own bodies. And I know Ezekiel and I talked about this. I mean, water is so much of who we are. And I think so many times we take it for granted until it goes away and we don't have it anymore, then it will become a problem for a lot more people. Um, and I think, mm. I, hope that, I hope that day does, oh gosh, I hope, I hope, I hope with so much of myself that we, we don't wait and we as a collective, everybody, um, because we are all complicit. We are all part of this. We are all part of this. So we all have a hand in it. We should all be better stewards of this planet. Most importantly, though, the water. I mean, it's such a, it's who we are. It is. And the way I, 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 what you're saying is so true that the there is great urgency for us to be better stewards. And I think something that, you know, we were talking about like how we treat the people we work with in our rehearsal process, how we, or what we want the culture of theater to be. Mm -hmm. And so I wanna be in like right relationship with people when I'm making art. I wanna do that in a way that feels like just and equitable and life-giving. And, but then my, beyond that, like my greatest goal as a human is to be a supporter of life, be a sustainer of life, be like in this web of life, every choice we make affects other beings. Mm. So, let's make choices that stand by our like more than human kin and our watersheds imaginations. I think you said, I hope, I hope, I hope. And hope is everything because we have to, we have to be able to really see, we have to be able to be active in our imagination of the better future to be able to do it. And that's where theater, theater and ecological crisis uh, we need the tool of theater in this moment in history because we need urgency, we need presence, we need like uh, we need ways of imagining better worlds and theater is imagining and world creating. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can't imagine us living similar to water. I can't imagine our lives not not being um, completely enmeshed. And and I I know people. There is, oh, what you said earlier. There is such a. Often, I think people, theater is just. Mm the thing that people don't feel like they are a part of or they can be a part of or whatever other form of that phrase or, or thought, but it's in everybody's lives, but I don't think they, that people realize it as an art, mm -hmm. same, with, same with water still. I mean, you know, yeah. Theater, yes, theater's in every culture. It is not, yeah reserved for like one facet of the culture like we're all exposed to it let's let's name it and notice it and love it in our own ways and the way it's expressed in our communities yeah it's so, so essential yeah 100 percent. when so good friday was the first thing you did with new manifest right mm -hmm. i went and saw the mini fest um my buddy Sally Seitz had a play, Don't Send Flowers, in the Minifest a couple of years ago. That was so freaking funny about two old women. Um, uh, you're talking about their deaths on a, on a front porch. So I went and saw the Minifest and saw faces and had an idea of New Manifest back then. But Good Friday, yeah. And what made you, you want to work with them? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit of why you're glad that you're here now or what we're doing good, but. I'm um, always here to direct more. Uh, yeah. I, yes. I love to act, but also. You're good at it. Thank you. A dissatisfaction I've always had as an actress is like, where is, like oftentimes the actors have really narrow creative control or, mm -hmm. and that's part of the nature of it, you know, like visions are being put upon us, but, but directing has always been thrilling to me because to be able to have an influence on the design and the performance and the mode in which it's created, that really appeals to me. I, oh my gosh. It is so far from appealing to me. Oh boy. Oh. <laughs> It's a terrifying thought. <laughs> when Simone asked if I wanted to direct a play last year uh, for the mini fest, I was like, <laughs> it's virtual. So I guess I can't break too much of it. Maybe. I don't know. It's a daunting, daunting challenge to, I mean, that's a lot of, it's some responsibility that I do not want, <laughs> but I am glad for the opportunity. <laughs> it is fun to be an actress and uh, be, you know, be told what to do in that way. <laughs> yeah here's your lines do what you want yeah yeah sometimes <laughs> yeah but being a director yikes so then what made you want to audition for good friday that was a play we did yeah that was a freaking play well <laughs> yeah. that play something i love about it is uh so it sees Women in a college classroom. You played our uh, our like TA, I guess, or uh, or some you know some sort of academic, yeah, you know, gatekeeper um, by your knowledge and wokeness. Oh uh, and we were uh, yeah, and the play begins with these 
like different characters, feminisms, just like (laughs) clashing against each other. And I love that. Like, that's the kind of conflict I want to see on the stage. Like, I want to be, I, uh, I don't want to see like the same old patterns of like dominance being like played out and like the same, like really masculine plot structures, but the idea about like these different women's feminisms and these different women's like all very real and true to their experience takes on rape culture and uh, curriculums and race and to have these things like ping ponging off each other was amazing. Uh, Yeah. And I was drawn to this play also for its uh, the way it touches on social issues without this like heavy prescriptive hand like yeah this injustice uh but instead by showing showing beauty showing truth look at this look at this look at this now do you see do you see the truth in this like do you see the injustices do you see Mm -hmm. that ugly sticky thing that you're most scared to look at which in this case uh in freshwater grasses we uh it slowly like comes to the audience's understanding that our gardener at the bottom of the world was ended up here at the bottom of the world as a result of uh a military junta in Argentina and the mass murder and imprisonment of tens of thousands of leftists or left-leaning people or Argentinians and Uruguayans fighting for social justice in a more uh, fair world. And so to get to explore this history and the tensions of the past and the present and looking at an old ugly wound and in experiencing this, thinking about what oppressions we are complicit in or like what wickednesses are in our immediate history and how that informs Mm. our day, like all that comes up by visiting Electra at the bottom of the river, you know, and tasting the sweet grasses. Oh, that's good. That's very good. I'm glad you brought it back up again because yeah, I I don't want to forget about, you wanted to talk about that. And I, I think- and Ezekiel and I talked about it as well. Um, it's such a, here in the United States, at least, I feel like, well, maybe this is just a personal feeling, but I feel like we're often so sheltered, mm-hmm. sheltered, not exposed, not and, and sometimes completely unbeknownst to us, you know, that there are these things that exist in the, uh, that, that are happening atrocities against people and humanity and other countries that we would never know about. I mean, yeah, because it's not, it's not very American to, yeah. Oh, to <laughs> yeah. Like funded, funded murder, funded, like the rise of fascist regimes, the way we fund just war, throwing money at weapons and death, like, through our whole has- history. Yeah, gosh, <laughs> did you learn about the Vietnam and Korean wars in school? Cause like, no. I, and I certainly didn't, I mean, this, America was involved in that 
money was moving hands with Argentina's Guerra Sucia, Dirty War. But this is something I found out in my recent adult life about like mm. this, this uh, political conflicts in like South America. And, and we must know about them also because we're experiencing a rise of fascism in the US. So like what people have done in history to fight fascism or to fight warmongering, like has worked and it hasn't worked, but we need to know the playbook so that we can stop it. So that we can say, no, not another war or no, we won't. It, that's off the table, rounding up immigrants yeah. seeking asylum on like from horseback, you know, like that's, we've seen that happen in another place and we condemned it. And so. Why do we continue to perpetuate that? Yeah. Man, and, you know, thinking about river systems and where I'm from and belonging, talking about like Georgia making me who I am. I guess my experience, to me, what it means to be a Southerner and my like experience as a Southerner from Georgia Texas isn't the South. Texas is like its own, you know, Texas is its own whole Republic. Y'all have your, like, I've learned so much <laughs> an outsider here, but like, I am. From, I don't know if that's for, oh, for better or worse. Yeah. Texas yeah. is a real place. I love it, but holy moly, there is some stuff happening here sometimes that I'm like, we can't, I I'm here. I'm in this, I'm in the States. There have been some things over the history of time that have happened here. And I was just talking with a friend of mine about Mexico and oh, it's just a it's just a whole lot of stuff. But yeah, for better or worse, we're here. Texas is. Yeah. But anyway, you're yes, you were saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah. Well, okay, so maybe you can relate to this then with Texas, like, ah, oh, this dissatisfaction, like, oh, why, why have we done this? Why is it like this? Like, how has there been so much wickedness on, like, on this land? And like, as a Southerner, the, for me, what it means to be, like, the shadow of slavery looms very large. Like, yeah. there, I was aware of it from a very early age, and I continue to be. And like, I'm a white woman whose family's been in Georgia a long time you know, and like, so thinking about uh, healing like the wickedness of the past is something I think about a lot as a Southerner, as a personal experience, and then also as like a larger cultural experience of being Southern. Mm. But, like such, I love, it, it's, man, it's crazy to think about how the land has been here for all of it. You know, right? everything happened. When I think about slavery and like what has happened on the physical landscape of Georgia, and I think of the wickedness that's happened, but that wasn't the earth's fault. And like, that wasn't, that wasn't the pines and that wasn't like the scrubby sand. And that wasn't, that wasn't the land. Mm. That was the people. And Thinking about this like much larger time scale, the land is gonna keep being there when the people phase out and different like, governments rise and fall and different people have power and there are like many phases 
of human history, but the land will keep being there. And that's really present in this play, Freshwater Grasses, because it takes place at the Rio de la Plata, where, which is a specific spot where such wickedness is done that we learn yeah. Electra was a victim of, our, our main character. Like this is a place with such sadness and such death and it would be too easy not to look at it, but the only way to clean a wound or the only way to heal a wound is to clean it, you know, and to be honest about it and look at it. And theater as a storytelling medium gives us a way to look at something. And yeah, I agree. Our hearts and feel and maybe heal. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. And Ezekiel and I talked about that too. It's, it is a way to, I think, heal um, a lot of your own personal trauma, generational trauma, which is a thing, which is a topic that is being more freely discussed. And I'm glad about that so much. So um, it's very important to talk about that because, oh my goodness. Um, but also how to, how to maybe guide, guide us in a way that you didn't know you needed. And something you mentioned right now, oh my gosh, I just, you know, what's interesting to me. I, I, I never, I, I, I think about this sometimes, but it's just, you said it right now and it it really echoed with these thoughts I have sometimes like the land has been here this whole time and don't you think that this is going to sound real hippie maybe for some people but I'm okay with that um but don't you think that the land feels so much of it too and it holds on to all of that trauma and grief and oh gosh I think too, the, all of it, the waters as well. And it's just continuously evolving. And we are too in ways, sometimes negatively, and sometimes we regress instead of progress forward. But, oh, that's, yeah. What a thought. Yes, I think the land does hold on to it. You mentioned stewardship at the beginning of our conversation and like, we will heal the land in healing ourselves and we'll heal ourselves by healing the land. Oh boy. Hope so. Our own souls and the rivers. Yeah. Yeah. Guess- and if we want like sovereignty and sacred, like if we want sovereignty for people, if we say uh, like we value the sovereignty and the life and the beauty of immigrants like, or we want, we envision a world where black lives matter or like then to acknowledge the sovereignty of those people, let's also, we can only benefit from extending that to like all other kin as well, like all other plants and all other animals and everything else that creates. Yeah. 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 It's not a huge jump. Like, uh, to care no, for we, yeah. planet and care for people go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, dang. I mean. Oh, man. What else do you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> thoughts. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful. Oh, gosh. I'm going to. I'm going to really think about these for the rest of the day. What. Um, oh, man. Man, man, man. Um, it makes me very. I mean, I feel 
like we've talked about already now several times, I feel very connected to the water. I don't know what it is, but ever since it was is the same thing. Ever since I was a little girl, I remember going fishing with my grandparents. And I mean, like I have a picture of my grandmother with a shark. She caught a little shark. And then I, I, I have these memories so stuck in my head. Like she threw it back in the ocean and she always told me like, you don't, if you don't need to eat it and we, you know, and you don't, don't need it, then you should try as best as you can to avoid any pain and give it back to the, give it back to the ocean from where it came from, because you get to witness it for a little while. And then, and that has always stuck with me. And so water has always been a huge part of my life, but I just feel like. That's a beautiful. I, I mean, you know, my grandmother, God bless her. Um, but um, my, my Mexican grandmother, um, but she, yeah, she gave me a, but my, both of my, all, a lot of my, my extended family. I don't know. It's, it's such an interesting thing. I'm going to think about it even more this, this evening and <sighs> thoughts. Oh my gosh. And I'm so excited to see this play. I'm so excited to see you direct it. Um, and the first time I, I saw Eliza on stage, you were doing a solo show and I was in awe of, I have still, I'm still in awe of people being able to do solo shows. It is something I tackled myself is very challenging. I, what are, what are you, you're, are you working on anything right now? Working on a solo show right now. Cause my collaborator and I decided that is the form we want to go back to. We, um, and we're also hoping to round out, we're making the third of a triptych. A triptych? Yeah. So yeah. Um, the character you saw then, Thecla, Soldier of the Cross, is sort of wayward, wayward believer and a prophet and an outcast and a storyteller. And then uh, and this new character we're creating is we're looking at a vision of the future in a couple decades, uh, thinking about southeastern United States where the like the landscape has changed due to climate change and circumstances are different. Mm. We're meeting an artist who's returning to places she's been before and rebuilding monuments and altars to human histories that have maybe been washed away and even recent histories. So yeah, we're thinking a lot about uh, flux, adaptation, resilience, like making art in dire times. So yes, I'm excited to be working on another solo show, hopefully doing it in Austin in January. So. Wow, that's very, that's very soon. Good. I'm glad because, and you all, if you have an opportunity to go see this person, do their stuff on the stage, you definitely should because she is amazing. I Thank you. Woo. Okay, I can't you wait. What? Do you want to plug your show? No, I don't. I um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is about you. Okay. I'm I'm doing a solo show right now, and uh, yeah, no, because by the time this comes out, we will probably already be done. done with that and moved on to the next thing. But um, but no, I mean, I I have like after doing it myself, I have so much more. I mean, I had I could never imagine how somebody 
and 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 for you for me i feel like the play i did and i'm I'm going to be redoing now um it's not my story Mm. but it it became i mean i in it was it's just adjacent to my story you know she's a beautiful white woman (laughs) i'm not (laughs) (laughs) so it's not my story really but so much of her story is is my story as well but i can't imagine like something that's so that you developed yourself created you know that's i'm just in awe of how you all do these things yeah but i'm glad i'm super glad you're going to be i when I saw that you were going to be directing this play, I thought that's gonna be good. Do you have a cast already? Oh, hallelujah, I do. Bianca Ibarra and AJ Reyes. Reyes, Reyes yeah. yes. Yes, and uh, yes, so hitting the ground running. Good, I wanted to do it as well, but I can't do everything. So, um, but oh my gosh, cause the play, I, I read it, I loved it immediately again, be, the water shore but also like this other character it's, mm-hmm. it's such an interesting 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 piece of art i think yes and we talked about like uh uh i i i want i want people who i want all types to see this show yeah at only you know being a short play i think it's a nice entry into something and i think yeah. it's not a traditional structure it's not yeah. like beating at some old storytelling structure, like what a play should look like. Right. So in thinking about the theaters we dream of. Yeah. No, I liked it too, yeah. especially for that reason. I agree a hundred percent. Great writer. Beautiful vision. I mean, you people who create stuff, I don't know how you all do it. Sit there and write stuff for yes. goodness sakes. Um, so um on a maybe what what else are you what are you watching right now? Do you want I, I feel like you and, and this is terrible maybe um but I feel like you don't watch like trashy TV. No way that's the thing I do though. Yeah no I like I like I don't do trashy TV that involves like love. I've never been able to get into any kind of Though when the flavor of love with flavor flave and a shot at love with Tila Tequila and Rock of Love with Brett something something were out Michaels the, with Brett Michaels on VH1, yeah. like I watched that stuff on cable like nobody's business. But no, I like I like to watch trashy TV. I love God reality TV so weird. TV, yeah. Mm. Well, what are you What are you watching right now? Or what are you, What have you been watching? Let's see. Um. Or reading. I don't I don't know how to read. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um oh, that was so good. Your <laughs> southern accent just came out. You said, I'm just kidding. That was the best kidding. thing ever. <laughs> um well, I'm reading a mystery novel right now because yeah? life is short and I'm I love my candy reads. Also, uh okay, I just started Tarana Burke who is one of the founders of the Me Too movement, just started her memoir. And wow, yeah, she's incredible. It's a great story. It is the empowering kind of literature I need right now too. I'm feeling a lot of grief and fear around abortion rights in Texas. And so to, uh, yeah, so I'm looking definitely for like books that are like lifting me up. 
you know what? T- TV, I, nothing has inspired me lately. Yeah. Haven't felt, I love to watch TV, but I haven't felt super connected. I think the kind of trashy TV I like is like Survivor and a new season begins tonight. So I think oh, no. I'm going to make like a bracket and oh, uh, you too. Yeah. You and Simone. You know, I mean, at last I'll play, baby. <laughs> oh, God. You can delete this part. <laughs> no, she won't delete this part. <laughs> Oh, funny. oh my goodness well i uh what a treat and a dream come true uh to be able to talk to you for a, a little while this afternoon is not enough time because i feel like we could talk more and more about so many of these things oh my goodness um, thank you eva oh thank you um again please be sure to come back for our mini fest october 13th through the 16th um you have to watch i'm telling you all these plays the care that is going has gone into them and creating them one but b knowing the people who are involved my goodness it's going to be a good time it's going to be i think yeah you mentioned this too i think there's going to be a lot of takeaways you may have not expected it or suspected that you're going to get hit with like whoa Look at that social justice issue right there. I didn't think I was going to see one of those today. And there it is. (laughs) (sighs) Any final words before we leave for the evening? You know what? You rock. Thank you. You're such a, it's, it's so fun to be, to to just laugh a while. I feel uplifted. I'm so grateful. Friends, me too. I'm really going to be thinking so much about this. All right. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the new Manifest Theater podcast. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and be sure to keep updated with everything New Manifest is doing at our website, newmanifest.org. Also, be sure to follow us on social media, all of them, at (laughs) New Manifest theater and until next time please take care of yourselves please take care of this earth it is the only one we've got we Mm -hmm. do not have any kind of outposts yet on any other planets and do we need to even do that please can we just try our best to take care of this let's get our shit right before we colonize another (laughs) oh my gosh amen amen Uh, yes Uh, my goodness please take care of yourselves out there y'all be careful bye-bye